Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. We're good. Why don't we find our seats and we're going to jump into week three of On Repeat. And uh, this is a message series we're diving into the culture, the DNA, the ministry philosophy that drives C3 Wellington, what we hoped, who we hope to be, where we hope to go, how we hope to look, what we look, hope to look like as we go there, all that good stuff. And, uh, and what's we'll a quick recap. So week one, we talked about being a tribe, and that, that is that we are, we are d- deeply connected group of people, and that, uh, that Jesus actually calls us to be relationship-focused. You know, he, he exemplified that, right? He, he left heaven, he came to earth, he jumped into relationship. He didn't just do ministry devoid of relationship. He did ministry through relationship, which was really important. And, uh, and uh, has anyone seen the, the Bucket Fountain in Cuba Mall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably one of the, yeah, that's one of my favorite images of how, I, uh, how the church ought to be, right? We get infilled by the Holy Spirit and it overflows and dumps, dumps, <laughs> dumps onto another person. And there's just this constant thing of that, you're, that what God does in your life overflows and spills out onto someone else's life. And that you're not an island, you're not disconnected, you know? Uh, but that closeness of connection is how ministry, how, how the overflow of, of the Holy Spirit on your life impacts other people, right? And so, um, so we always want to beckon, we want to beckon people into deeper connection, come into the church. And what I mean by that is like, I feel like Sundays can be like the foyer of the, the, the entryway of your home, right? Where people come and they can, you know, you greet someone at the door, but there's a, there's a, there's a massive difference between having a chat to someone at the doorstep and in the foyer versus going through to the dining table and sitting down and having, you know, sharing a meal and hanging out. And, and we desire metaphorically to, for people that, for that, that they will come to the heart of the home, that they'll push in. Because what's on your life requires people, your people and connection. And as we do that, we overflow and uh, things start to transpire that we're actually called to love one another. It's one of the deepest calls uh, that, that you find in Scripture is just the importance, the importance of the family of God. Like, I think that we uh, uh, can uh, diminish uh, just how important it is that we ought to live in a loving, connected community together. And so we call the message tribe because I think about a tribe. I think about, and I, I've got this crude m- m- image of like almost like a circle of thatch huts with a fireplace in the middle, you know, that kind of tribal setting where, you know, you're just connected like you're doing life together. There's uh, the definition of tribe is having, having a common language, common, common culture, and, um, and having common, common things in common. So anyway... All I say that it says that we are relationship and connection focused as a church, right? That's why that informs the way we do things, right? And so that's why uh, we do what we do. And 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 I, I take my hat off to, uh, and I just want to I just want to shout out this guy right here in front of me, Simon. I thank you, mate, for what you do with C3 Burger Page, Tomato Page, Page Page, all the different pages, and the way that and the way that you and the way that you form community and connection. Just you do that uh, out of who you are, and it matters in this church, doesn't it, family? And uh, so I just want to honour you for what you do, and it matters, you know, it matters. It, it, it's not some formed thing, it hasn't got all the structure about it, but you do it, and, and people respond. And who feels connected into this church through those sorts of activities that Mr. Simon just uh, has put together out of uh, who he is? I just think that's amazing, so thank you, man, really appreciate it. We are relationship connection focused. Week two uh, is uh, all that, it was that we're mission focused, and the message was called We Choose the Boat. It came out of a vision that God gave me before we uh, moved down here, a really powerful vision of, of seeing people basically drowning 
and a whole bunch of people on the beach sunbathing and playing volleyball and oblivious to the carnage. And just that there's an importance of mission, you know? Uh, this is a thing that's just felt really challenging and convicting. It's so easy to, to, to lose sight of it. Do you know what I mean? It's so easy to just come into a, a community and just be only relationship-focused and community-focused. And, and so therefore you start to preach to the choir, build this kind of like holy huddle, and you forget that actually there's a reason that we're not just here to be relational and, and it's not just friendship, it's actually fellowship, which is friendship plus partnership. It's, it's, it's relationship on a mission, you know, and we have a mission, and that we're all called to be missionaries in our mission, and that we're all ministers of the gospel, that this place is an equipping, an equipping place, a place to train and equip that we might all go and, and, and do that work of, and that you have the answer and you have the hope, and that we understand that the ministry of this church is in the people and you are ministers, and uh, you have the ability to, to go, to come, and to invite, as we talked about last Sunday. I don't want to re-preach the message, but I just want to bring us up to speed with where we're at. We are relationship-focused, and we are mission-focused, that we understand that the true north of C3 is the salvation of lost people, and we need to ensure that, uh, and this is a constant correction. I find that the easiest drift in church is to just get back to the place where you're just talking to Christians. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and hanging with Christians, and, and it's just so easy and to forget that we actually are called to go, to make disciples, to actually be the hope and the light. Uh, don't hide your light. It says, place it on a hill that all can be seen, that you have the hope and the light of the world. It's so easy to think that the people around you don't want to hear about Jesus, but yet people are searching and hungry. And the Holy Spirit wants to use you, wants to work through you, wants to take you on a journey of salvation. Jesus does the work. The Holy Spirit says we don't, but he takes us on a great journey, and he does it through us and with us and partners with us, and it's a great thing that he does that. Isn't that crazy? That God wants to use you to make an eternal difference in the life of someone else. Isn't that the most honoring, amazing thing possible? Can you imagine anything greater than you making it to heaven and seeing that God, through, through your obedience, was able to speak through you to see someone saved, to change someone's eternity. It's a crazy deal. And so we want to be those that invite. It's the easiest thing to do. Just invite and just get in the habit of invitation. Invite someone to cruise, to Burger Night, to church on Sunday. Just invite and uh, see what God can do with that. So we are mission-focused. Anyway, week three. That was a long introduction. You ready? Yeah. Week three, we roll away the stone. We roll away the stone. Uh, well, what do we mean by that? We'll get to that. But we just need to understand that the heartbeat of the church, general, the church and C3, is that this is it, that Jesus loves you with a never-ending, never-failing, unchanging, immeasurable love beyond what is possible on earth, beyond love we can offer each other, perfect Love. He longs for relationship. He pushes his chips into the middle of the table and went all in for you and for me for a shot at your heart, for a shot at relationship. Not just for you, though. <laughs> As we just discussed, for the person to your left, to the right, for the people in the streets around us, for Lower Heart, for Wellington, for New Zealand, for every person, for all of humanity, the offer is out there. Jesus, the Word became flesh. He dwelt among us, God incarnate. He left the comfort of heaven. He became a person so he could have a personal relationship with you and me. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was spat on. He was mocked. He was brutally murdered willingly for me and for you. That's how much you mean to Jesus. It's how much he loves you. And Jesus wants you to experience his love. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to be overwhelmed by it. He wants you to know of his acceptance of you, that you are fully accepted and fully loved. This is such the, the central heartbeat of the gospel. He wants you to know his joy. He wants you to know his peace. These things are on offer from our Lord and Savior. Jesus is a giver. 
And there's so much he wants to give you. (laughs) He wants to give you life. True life, he said that. I've come to give you life. Unending life. Eternal life. (laughs) He wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you purpose. What Jesus desires is to draw all people to him. And so I just wanted to preface that overview of the gospel as we know it, as we move into the story John 11 around Lazarus, as we talk about rolling away the stone and what that means for us, C3. Let's pick up this uh, story of, of Jesus and, and Lazarus and the disciples. We're going to start from verse 1 of John 11, if you're taking notes. I'm going to read it to you. It says this, In the village of Bethany there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with her costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. I love the way that John just is like recounting. He's like, hey, just so you know, just to help you with this, this is the one. That's a, here's a reason. This story is connected to another story, which I'm going to write about when this, this lady just absolutely honors Jesus with the most expensive thing she could do. That was her worship. Anyway, just so you know, that's the Mary we're talking about, he says here. Uh, on da- one day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So a sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. Please come. Some would say that's a message to Jesus. was a message to Jesus. Nowadays, our message to Jesus is what? Our prayers, yeah? We're praying. It says that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he sits there on our behalf. He intercedes on our behalf. He's, he's, he's waiting for the time that he will come back in glory, his second coming. But it says that he intercedes on our behalf. And so when we send a message to Jesus, we do it through prayer. How many people have longed to see those that are sick in their lives made well, those that are far from God come to him, that have got those desperate crying, desperate prayers? Who can relate to Mary and Martha in this moment? Would you come? Would you come? We need you. We know that you can. Would you come? And so when he heard this, he said, I just wanted to stop you because people are crying out. (laughs) I think we've got to understand that people are crying out. Again, I, just, I know I'm hearkening back to last week's message, but I just feel like we can get blind to the fact that we don't think that people are numb, numb and uh, a, 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 just apathetic towards, towards God. I'm just telling you that deep down, the cry of every person's heart is to know God. Deep down, the cry of every person's heart is to know the Creator, to feel the love of God, and to experience the purpose and power of God in their life. That is, and to be connected back, and there's a greatest desire, everyone's greatest desire. Hmm. And when he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring praise and glory to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Again, Jesus is saying who I am. I am the Son of God. Bold words, uh, indeed. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God to reveal the greatness of Jesus. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary... Martha and Lazarus, even though he remained where he was for two more days. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. God's timing is perfect, amen? Even though he waited and he said, come, the time is now, the time is now. It's a word for someone here this morning. You might have thought, why has it not come? Why has it not happened? Why has it not broken? Why, why is this delay? Why is this lag? Jesus saying, now the time has come. His timing is perfect. But teacher, they said to him, do you really want to go back there? Listen to this. It was just a short time ago that the people of Judea were going to stone you. Uh, uh, they want to kill you, Jesus. If we go back there, you're risking your life. You're risking maybe our lives as well because we're associated with you. Do you really want to put us all at risk, Jesus? 
I mean, you know, it's a grim situation. Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? <laughs> you can go through a day without the fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world. That is powerful. But you will stumble when the light is not in you, for you'll be walking in the dark. When you've got Jesus, you've got everything you need, friend. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend. I love this language. Our friend has just fallen asleep. I mean, the faith of Jesus is incredible. And it's, it's time that I go and awaken him. Do you know that Jesus is in the business of awakening people? You know, Jesus is in the business, risky business, of risking himself, risking stoning, risking his life to go to his friend, Lazarus, to awaken him. That, he was, that was what was most important to him was that I'm going to go and awaken Lazarus. I'm going to put my life at risk. I'm going to put my situation at risk. Risky faith indeed, Jesus had. And then I'm going to skip. The story goes on. He gets to, he gets to Bethany. He meets the, 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 the sisters. He says, do you have the faith to believe that I can do it? We, we believe. Help us believe. And he goes to the tomb. He, the people gather. Jesus gets caught up in the emotion of it. He cries, but yet he's still like, he knows he's about to do a miracle. He knows that Lazarus' death is not the end. He knows he's about to awaken him. He knows that salvation is coming for Lazarus. He knows that he's going to be rescued, redeemed, set free. Yet he still gets caught up in the emotion. I love that Jesus is not disconnected from your pain. From your, from your situation. He knows it. He's with you. He feels it. He says, it says in Hebrews, he's understood. He's felt every single thing that you could ever go through. He's been through it. He's been through it. He understands rejection. He understands the, the situation that you walk through. He's not devoid of understanding. And then he steps to the tomb and we pick up the story in verse 38 here. It says this, then Jesus with intense emotions Jesus, with intense emotions, he came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance, where Lazarus had been buried for four days, dead in the ground, buried for four days, and Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Jesus told who? Them, roll away the stone. Interesting, the crowd gathered and Jesus is about to do a miracle. You think he could just like, Phew! Like, when he was in the tomb, the angel rolled the stone away, didn't like the, like he? Got, he got some, some angelic help with his stone. <laughs> but with Lazarus' stone, he involves the people. He says, look, I'm here to do a miracle, but you're not devoid of the situation. You have a part to play. You're not the one that saves, but you're the one that can create the way for someone to come. You can create a pathway, an unblocked pathway, for someone to come to me, to hear my voice. So this message, roll away the stone, is this, to remove the barriers, obstacles that prevent people coming to Jesus. We want to make it, C3, as easy as possible for them to come to Jesus. The stone is our responsibility, is what I'm trying to say. The stone is our responsibility. When Jesus wanted a saving work for Lazarus, the people were involved. When the same goes for your friends and family and whoever Jesus has wanted to minister through you, through you, he does that work, but the stone is your responsibility. There are stones that we need to roll away, church. Hmm. C3, let's, listen to, let's look at two stones that I want to talk about. But before we get there, I just want to talk really practically. Because there, this is some, uh, some philosophical stones we're going to talk about. Okay? We're going to talk about religion, we're going to talk about apathy. We're going to talk about those two things. But I also want to talk about just practically. 
I want to talk about the fact that when Paul says, I want to become all things to all people so that as many as possible would be saved, that there is an understanding that we've got to know as a church that, that our mission field and our, and, and, and our why and our how has got to be driven by the fact that, pe- that, that Jesus calls people to salvation and that the true north of the church is the salvation of lost people. Therefore, the why we do it and the how we do it must run through the filter of that. It must run through the filter of that. Now, that is up for interpretation, and I get that. I'm not saying that, that, I'm not saying that in order for people to come to Jesus, you've got to have fancy lights and a good Facebook page. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if that's a method that could see someone come to Jesus, should we do it? The answer is yes, we should try. So what can we do to reflect who we are that we might be those sorts of people? So it's, 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 it's talking in some ways to probably a whole other topic, and that is, is excellence with authenticity, and I love that language. So we want to be as excellent as we can be, but as authentic as we can be. I think sometimes excellence can run us into a place of disauthenticness, you know, where we sacrifice who we are for some sort of image or look or thing that we're doing. But I just want to say that we are called with a, with a, with a motivation of rolling stones away and helping people come to Jesus. We want to ensure that we have excellence with authenticity in what we do. And that sort of needs to permeate who we are as a church. Let's practically speaking, let's get into some of these philosophical stones I want to talk about. Number one, religion. Number one, religion. So religion has a couple of definitions, yeah? Number one, it's this. It's the belief, service, and worship of God. That's a good, that's a good definition. <laughs> Another definition of religion is a system of religious attitudes, beliefs, or practices. So religion can either be worship and service, or it can be a system. It can be one of those two things, yeah? In James 1.27, religion that is pure, James says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So there is a religion that God accepts. It's a funny one, that word. We can toss it around from a negative point of view. But there is a religion that God accepts, a selfless living, as James points out. But so how does religion become a stone? How does religion become a barrier for those to come to Jesus? Well, it's when the method becomes more important than the message. It's when the how becomes greater than the why. How we do it is more important than why we do it. And so we get stuck on, this is the way we do it, and we get caught up in creating, uh, we get caught up in creating traditions and things, and we get stuck realizing that we think that the car is the most important thing rather than the destination the car is taking us. Yeah? And so, how we do it over why we do it can cause us to end up in a place of religion. How we say it over why we say it. <laughs> Doesn't matter how we say it, it's why we say it. I love that. It's not the letter of the law, it's the spirit in which it's said, you know? How we say stuff over why we say stuff. The vehicle matters more than just, I just said that the how should always flow from the why. The how should always, how we do things should always flow from the why we do things. What informs decision making? What informs whether we do this or we do that? You know, the why always should, should dictate to the how. It's so critical. Otherwise, you can end up in a place of religion. Uh, you see this sometimes through organized church and different uh, denominations. And I'm not here to to, to knock or to judge, but you can see if, if the how you do it starts to become more important than the why you do it, you can get trapped in a, in a funk of, 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 of just 
observances and traditions, and you forget that the, the world has moved past and he cannot connect to it. Those outside of Jesus can't connect to that anymore. There's no point of connection, and it just becomes a stone. Rather than a, rather than a pathway, rather than a, a bridge to Jesus, it becomes a barrier. It can become a barrier. And so, church, we want to make sure that we are not placing barriers through religious observance in front of those coming to Jesus. Why do we do what we do? What is our motivation? What's our why? Well, of course, our why is always Jesus. Jesus is the center point. Everything points back to Jesus. But Jesus' mission, and we see it here with with Lazarus, is the salvation of lost people. It's the redeeming of, of broken people. It's the awakening of asleep people. This is what's so passionate for Jesus. He risked his life for this one person, didn't he? They said, look, you go back there, they could stone you, Jesus. I'm going to awaken him. He's so passionate about that. Our why must, must stay central to the gospel to reach lost people with a message that we want everyone to know the love of Jesus. We want everyone to experience the love of Jesus. And our hope is to bring people that are far from God close to Jesus. Love propelled Jesus to rescue Lazarus. Love stood outside his grave and, and called him out. Jesus stands outside everyone's heart and beckons them, it says in Revelation 3. Jesus wants you to turn, he wants to turn your night to day, your fear to faith, to saturate you with his love, to pour love on you beyond you can, your ability to contain it. So much love it'll overflow to those around you, as we talked about with that bucket fountain. His love beckons others through you. Man, this is the, the call of the church, and another is the call. And to call people out from the cave and into relationship with Jesus, the power and the purpose of the gospel, the good news of freedom and life and love, this has got to be our why. It's got to be our why. And if we're not careful, we can slip into religious observance and systems devoid of worship, devoid of life-giving worship. And the way in, the way in which we do things can be driven by those things rather than the deepest why. We must keep the deepest why as our motivating factor to ensure that we set our sights on what Jesus sets our sights on. Salvation of those that are far from him. We roll away the stone. We roll away the stone. Let's talk about another one, eh? Let's talk about apathy. The definition of apathy is a lack of feeling or emotion. The lack of interest or concern. To be indifferent to go through the motions, to be non-committal, to sit on the fence, to have a foot in each camp. The Bible calls that being lukewarm. I referenced it before, but Revelation 3 and Jesus' letter to the church in Laodicea is a sobering message for us. But I want to read it to, to you this morning. It says this, Jesus says to this church, and he says, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you either be cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, white garments so that you may be clothed yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. And one of my favorite scriptures, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. 
I love that this is the cry of Jesus' heart for all of us. He's like, come on. This scary, it's a scary place to be in a place of apathy where you don't care, where you're immoved, where you, where you have no passion, no zeal. I love when Jesus says when Jesus came to the tomb, he was full of passion. He was full of zeal. He was, he was, can, you, can you picture the scene of Jesus as he comes to his friend Lazarus's tomb? He says, with all this passion, intense emotion, he says, come forth. He's like, he's so into the scene, Lazarus being awakened, he's so into it. And I'm not saying that you're going to be able to outpassion Jesus. You can't do it. Jesus' passion for you and for others will, will always outstrip yours. But I'm just saying on the level, on the Richter scale of your passion for him and on the Richter scale of your passion for the lost, where is it? Where is it? Where's mine? Where are we with it? It's so easy, so easy to think this is what religion will do. It will say that I've done this and I've done this and I've done this so that I'm okay. Whereas actually Jesus calls us to look a little bit deeper than that, doesn't he? He actually calls us to look at our passion and our zeal and our desires and what draws us and what moves us and what's, what's stirring passion in our world. And he's saying, look, where are your passion? You, you think you've got it all together, Church of Laodicea, he says. Yet you, you've got it all. You don't think you have any need for me. You've gone through life pretty good. You're a part of a great church. You're just chilling out. You're doing your life. But your heart is far from me and you're in this place of just like insipidness. Oh, that you would be one or the other. I think one of the scariest things, one of the challenges, in fact, there was two pastors. One was pastoring a church in Seattle and Washington, which is one of the most unchurched cities in, in America. In fact, they're, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's just a very liberal city. Uh, and, uh, and, and then the other pastor was a pastor of a church in Dallas, Texas, which is in the Bible Belt. Okay, so you've got one guy that's uh, in this very unchurched society and liberal, liberal society. In Seattle, there are more... Uh, dogs than children, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that just gives you an you know, indication to uh, to the kind of you know it, it's it's a different thing. Whereas in Dallas, it's like Bible bouts, baby. God bless you. You know, God loves God. Loves, it's very much like religion and and uh, and moral biblical morality is really like baked into the culture, you know. And so these two uh, pastors were debating who had the harder mission field. On one hand, you've got the one person, you've got one city that wants nothing to do with, you know, they like they're completely devoid of, of 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 biblical morality, and it feels so far, so foreign from them, and they just have no connection to it. They they no 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 connection at all to it, and so it's like you're sort of like reaching like it's a full on mission field, like you're trying to reach people with a, you know, a gospel. And on the other hand, you've got this city where everyone thinks they're a Christian. Everyone thinks they're a Christian. You know, everyone, like, hey, God bless you. You know, they'll do a speech, they'll receive their Oscar, and God bless you, and this is for God, and, you know, <laughs> you know it's just like, it's just baked into, and so the, who had the harder mission field? It's really challenging. The challenge is actually seen, you know, to make it uncomfortable for people that are in a lukewarm state. It's a dangerous place to be. Apathy is dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous being in a lukewarm place. Jesus said, I'd rather you be one or the other. Lukewarmness is so dangerous because you can just turn off. You can just be numb. You can be numb and it becomes a stone, it becomes a barrier. How does it become a barrier? Well, you see, what are you actually, what are you actually offering people to come to? If you're, the, if, you carry the, if you're the minister of Jesus and you carry the good news of God and God's calling you to be on mission to call people to him, Yet, yet you're, what are you displaying in your passion for Jesus to be apathetic and nonchalant? It's not very attractional, is it? 
hey, I want you to come to this Jesus that, I, that I'm kind of like, yeah, about. It completely pulls the mission of your life away. And, and, and then on top of that, we feel a sort of a conviction around that. You know, we can feel like, oh, you know, we make some decisions. We feel like, oh, I've lost my witness and things. Are so so and then, oh, it's just a messy situation. I'm saying that passion for Jesus is so critical here that apathy is such a stone to seeing people come to God. Your on fire life will be a drawer of people to God. <laughs> You've been on fire for Jesus will warm and change and transform other people's life. It's so critical we understand this, that that your apathy or lack of or passion has an impact on the gospel moving through you to others. Jesus wanted to go and risk everything. The disciples weren't too sure about that. And like this is risking life for the salvation of Lazarus or the, the awakening of Lazarus. What are we prepared? What kind of riskiness are we prepared to do? You know what I mean? Like it's like you gotta be on fire. You gotta be, you gotta have faith, deep faith to believe and to 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 risk it, to talk to the guy in the supermarket or whatever it might be. It doesn't, I'm telling you, it doesn't happen out of a place of apathy. Those conversations don't take place, do they? And so it's important we understand that indifference and apathy is the enemy to the gospel, it's the enemy to Jesus moving through you and to others. And Troy, you can come and join me wherever you're at. Is he here? Oh, you're good on you, mate. Come on, religion can create lukewarm believers. Hmm. Catchphrases can be things like, I believe in God. I attend a church. That can be the, when people say, you know, do you believe in, surrounded by the kids, amazing. But it can boil down to belief and attendance, can't it? Boil down to those things. It can boil down to habitual observations. This is what we can, we can classify our relationship by what we do and where we go. And we can boil it down to a system but the question we've got to ask ourselves, church, is do we love Jesus? <laughs> do we love Jesus? That's the question. Are you overwhelmed and overcome by the love of Jesus? Has he captivated your heart, melted you, wrecked you? Is your greatest desire to please Jesus? Does everything in you burn with a passion to see others encounter the same love? Got no sound? Oh, we got sound. Here it is. <laughs> I'm going to read that again. We want to make our church not a place of judgment and not a place of condemnation. Of course, those things are far from the heart of Jesus. But there should be an uncomfortability around religious observance and apathy. And there should be a call into passionate pursuit of Jesus. A call into deep relationship with Him. The question on our lips is, do you love Jesus? 
Are you overwhelmed and overcome by the love of Jesus? Has he captivated your heart? Has he melted you? Has he wrecked you? Uh-huh. Who's been wrecked by the love of God, man? Like, is your greatest desire to please Jesus? Does everything in you burn with a passion to see others encounter that same love? I know that's a high bar, church. Come on, we, let's call each other up. Let's call each other higher. Let's call each other to this risky faith life that Jesus exhibited in the story of Lazarus. We know what he says in Matthew 7. Many will say, Lord, I did this, I did that, I did the next thing. And he said, I never knew you. I never knew you. Such sobering, such sobering words. Hmm. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.11. says this. Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to Him. Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to Him. Can you hear any apathy in that from the Apostle Paul? I don't hear apathy. I hear someone that was wrecked by the love of God and is committing his life to seeing other people experience that same love. I'm seeing an all-in kind of passion for the love of Jesus, not just to hit his heart, but to hit other people's heart. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us Because without a passion for Jesus, the people in your life may never know His love. At best, they may begin just to observe the same religious system that you observe. But we're calling, I'm calling you, I'm calling myself back to passion. May we be a passionate church. Come on. What I'd hope for us, church, what I'd hope for us, Going back to authenticity so that you don't feel the pressure here, my introverted friends in the crowd. Easy for you to say, Steve, you extrovert, that this place would feel passionate. When people would come in here, they would experience something. They'd experience a passion. They're like, these guys are obviously, this Jesus, man, I don't know about him, but these guys obviously think that this, this person, this person they call God, is someone worthy to get excited about. That there's something in the atmosphere that says you're worthy. Um, like there's just something that goes, these guys are really passionate about this, this Jesus they talk about. Do you want people to expect that is so important, isn't it? That we're not apathetic to the moments, these holy moments of Sunday gatherings. And that, that you look, I just want I used to say this, I like, try and outpassion me. Let's try and outpassion one another. I love in Romans 12, it says, outdo one another with honor. I love that. Outdo one another, like make honor like a like a game, like a competition. I'm gonna out honor you. Oh, you wanna out honor me? Oh, you know, I'm just gonna give you more honor. Oh, you know, I'm gonna, you know, this is honor game. You know, I don't know if you're a competitive person. I am. I like that. Can we try and out passion one another? What does passion look like? You know, it looks a million different ways. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to create. This is what it looks like. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. What does passion look like for you? 
What does a, a passion for Jesus look like for you? What does it look like for you to bring that passion into Sunday morning? What does it look like for you to bring that passion into Monday morning? What does it look like for you to bring that passion into your family? What does it look like to bring that into the world God has placed you in? What does it look like, you know? We need to count the cost of apathy. <laughs> we need to count the cost of apathy. Belief in God, devoid of passion for Jesus, and a desire for relationship is a stone. It's a stone. So we see a church passionate for Jesus. We see a church on fire for Jesus. We see a church hungry for more of Jesus. We see a church overflowing with the love of Jesus. We see a church that longs to see others encounter the love of Jesus. Yes, I'm saying Jesus a lot. That's intentional. That we measure our faith by our relationship, not simply belief that we would be Jesus' ambassadors, that we would roll away stones. One thing I know about passion is that it's contagious. super contagious have you ever like got into something because someone in your world is real passionate about it you weren't even really that interested in that whatever that thing might be but you just got into it you got into it because they were just so passionate about it like tomato planting or something like that you know like you know I've told the story before but I spent we spent a month in Maui uh, for a friend's wedding and um, I thought I was into surfing because we're serious we got up every morning go sit in a the lovely ocean in Hawaii and Maui. As these lovely little three-foot waves came in and this beautiful warm water and it's just like, I'm sure the angels were singing. It's felt that idyllic. And we'd do that. It was a wake you up. It was great. And I thought, man, I'm a surfer. <laughs> I'm into this, you know. Got back to Coromandel and it's like, you know, you've got to drive 20 minutes to the beach. It's cold. It's dumpy. It's miserable. You don't even know if it's good. I'm like, I am not a surfer. You know, but I got caught up in someone else's passion for sure. Passion's contagious. I just want to let you know that you, your passion for Jesus can start a fire. Start a fire. It can ignite someone else's life. Your passion can roll away a stone for someone else to come to Jesus. Come on, so let's cultivate a passion for Jesus, C3. Let's create an environment where people can encounter the love of Jesus. Not religion, not apathy. Jesus. I want to stand.